What's going on, coaches? Happy Labor Day to you. You know, if, if I know you guys, you probably got your grills or smokers going and, and just getting ready to throw some, maybe some brisket, some chicken, pork butt, burgers on that thing. So, if, hey, if that's part of your day today, do us all a favor and take some pictures and post those things on Twitter. But hopefully, you know, this episode finds you doing well. I know you, uh, you 5A and 6A coaches here in Texas are excited as you finally get ready to uh, officially start your season this week. So I'm excited for you guys. Uh, you know, we played our second game of the season this week against the number one team in the division above us. We came up short in that one. Uh, I know some of you guys messaged me about watching the live stream of the game, which is a new deal for us uh, here in Texas. That, that Before this year has not been allowed, but because of the coronavirus and, and the, uh, the limits that they are putting on social gatherings, all Texas high school football games can be live streamed. So that's cool. Uh, and I know some of you guys got to watch and, <laughs> and look, you know, um, that's always a little nerve wracking for me uh, because uh, especially going back and now grading the film, watching the film, uh, I know we played, made, made plenty of mistakes and, and, you know, watching that, I feel a little bit like the, uh, you know, like the dentist who has some snaggly jacked up teeth uh, because ironically, our pad level was, was definitely an issue Friday night, along with some other things. Uh, that we we got to clean up, but you know, overall, I was proud of our kids and the way they battled. You know, very talented team. So, but anyway, you can best believe that we'll be getting back to work this week to be better today than we were yesterday for sure. Anyway, today we're talking with a coach from the Hoosier State, great state of Indiana, and Hanover College defensive line coach Justin Robinson. Coach Robinson attended Bishop Chatard High School in Indianapolis, and then went on to play football at the University of St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana before transferring to the University of Indianapolis, where he lettered for three years on the D-line for the Greyhounds, helping them to a conference championship and a run into the second round of the Division II playoffs while he was there. Coach Robinson began his coaching career in the high school ranks, first at Heritage Christian High School, then at his alma mater in Bishop Chatard, and finally at Evansville Central High School for one season before making the jump to Hanover College, where he currently serves as a D-line coach and recruiting coordinator for the Panthers, who have won back-to-back conference titles in 2018 and 2019. Coach Robinson and I, you know, really only know each other through Twitter, but we immediately hit it off, and, and he's one of those dudes that within just a few minutes of talking to him, you can tell he's a guy with a ton of energy and passion, and, and I'm sure his guys love playing for him. Uh, today, Coach Robinson and I talk about getting after the quarterback, including his pass rush philosophy, some of his favorite drills, and, and also how he coaches up other ways, you know, uh, defensive linemen can affect the QB, whether it be, you know, through batting down balls. Uh, making cloudy windows for the quarterback, getting knockdowns, pressures, etc. So a ton of great stuff for you today, including a pretty funny recruiting story from Coach Robinson. So whether you're manning the grill today or headed out to the golf course or even drawing some scout cards, hey, lean in and listen up to Coach Justin Robinson on episode number 76. Keep your pads down. Coach, we're talking about getting after the quarterback today, which you know is going to grab every D-line coach's attention for sure. Uh, you're currently coaching defensive line at Hanover College there in Hanover, Indiana. Before we start talking about getting after the quarterback, let walk us through your journey through the game of football up to this point. Yeah, no question, man. First, I want to thank you, man, for, for allowing me to come on this podcast. You know, to be honest with you, it's an honor. 
um, throughout this COVID period. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time listening to your podcast and, you know, actually some of the guys that have been on your podcast I've got connected with and, you know, we've built a really good network and they're becoming really good friends for me. Um, so, man, kudos to you, man, because just having that vision to highlight us guys up front. You know, you always hear the, the pass coverage or the passing game and it's good to just have something that's ours. Yeah, no um, doubt, no doubt. So my journey, my journey to college football, man, is a is a little unique, um, in the sense that I was never a GA. You know, so a lot of times you hear guys say the best way to get in college, you got to be a GA. Um, I, I was very fortunate, and, and I'm gonna just be honest, it, it was a blessing from God how I got here. Um, so just a little bit about me, you know, I, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I was actually raised in Indianapolis. I was raised on the east side of Indianapolis, so. 34th and post. Um, so kind of over there by Warren Central, you know, I'm a big, I was a big kid that thought I was going to go to Warren Central my whole life. I played with a lot of those guys and a lot of those guys went on to the league and did great things. And my parents saw, saw me going somewhere different. Um, so I actually attended Bishop Chattard High School, which right now in Indiana has the most state title. So extremely rich tradition. Um, I, I was blessed enough to be coached by a Hall of Fame head coach and Vince Moranzano. I played four years there, varsity football player. Um, went to state title, went to state three times. You know, we won twice. You know, so again, throughout my career, I was able to kind of do some things in high school that, you know, unfortunately a lot of guys aren't able to get to. And for me, I never took that for granted. You know, it's always been a blessing. Um, College-wise, I started at the University of St. Francis. Where again, I was coached by a Hall of Fame coach, um, Pat Donnelly. He's actually, I'm sorry, uh, Kevin Donnelly. He's actually still there. Um, coach Donnelly, he's, I don't know when he's going to retire. Um, I, I don't know if it's in his cards to retire. Um, but, you know, he was a great mentor for me when I was young and when I was getting coached up there. And, and then I transferred, actually, was having some family issues. Um, you know, I, had a, I got a phone call from my grandfather. And at the time, my grandfather pretty much was my father um you know not to say i didn't have a dad but me and my dad wasn't on really good terms so you know i, I decided to, to tell tell coach that what's going on and you know i was told that my grandfather wasn't going to be able to see me graduate you know I, he wasn't going to make it through the year so for me it was a no-brainer to come home so I, I was actually getting recruited by the university of indianapolis at a high school um and so i had uh, the, the privilege and the honor to be coached by coach bart um, who's another Hall of Fame coach, um, spent the rest of my tenure at UND, um, three years as a defensive end, was coached by Kenny Ray Augustus, um, probably the guy who has the most influence on me is just kind of how I am as a coach and as a, as a mentor and as a father figure. Um, you know, and then from there, you know, I kind of always knew I, I had a gift of kind of being around people and helping motivate people. Um, so, you know, like everybody else, I, I tried out for the CFL and, you know, I had aspirations of thinking I'm going to be a professional athlete. You know, everybody, everybody has that dream when they're playing a sport that they love. Um, but at the end of the day, my dream didn't come true. Um, you know, I had, I, I almost sniffed the team and, you know, I, I think they ran too fast for me to sniff them. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I had, I don't think I could run fast enough to catch up to them. Um, so from there, I kind of started working in the corporate sector. Um, started working in leadership and, and some different companies. And again, I just, I just had a void in my life. You know, I knew this wasn't what I really wanted to do. Um, so I actually started picking up training, man, just personal training. And, 
you know, the more and more I started doing it, the more and more I realized coaching's where I need to be. Um, so I actually, through me training a kid, I was blessed enough to have my first coaching opportunity at the high school level at Heritage Christian. Um, at Heritage Christian, I was a defensive coordinator there. I had Coach Ron Qualls. He was my head coach. And, you know, another guy that really mentored me and molded me into the young man I am today, especially in the coaching industry, um, you know, filled me with a ton of knowledge, you know, a ton of knowledge. Um, after that first year, I ended up going back to my alma mater, um, went, to Chittard, went back to Chittard. I'm there. I was a D-line coach um, with, my, with one of my partners, Lucas. And then we also had Jimmy Pappas, who was our defensive coordinator. Lorenzano was still the head coach. Um, so for me, it was, it was like, hey, I'm coming back home to, to now coach for the guy that helped coach me. You know, for me, it was a no-brainer again. Um, you know, and then after that season, my wife actually, the, she's a collegiate coach as well. So my wife ended up getting a job down in Evansville coaching volleyball down in Evansville. And so I'm like, God dang, babe, like, what am I going to do now? You know, I just got this job and now I got to relocate and end up going to Evansville Central as a defensive coordinator. Um, went down there. We had a lot of fun, did a lot of great things in that program, you know, kind of kind of set them up really nice. You know, we went to regionals the next year. They actually end up going to state with that pretty much that same team. Um, you know, and had a lot of fun there, you know, and then kind of, and that's kind of where things got a little unique for me after that. You know, I've always, I've always been a guy that believed in, you know, faith and praying. And, and so I truly believe when you pray, you got to be intentional on in what you pray for. Um, but also you got to have that work with your faith, you know, because if you're doing things without faith, it's dead. Um, so I would always say a prayer like, God, you know, my heart, you know, where I want to be. I would love to be in college football, um, but not only be in college football, Take me to a place that's going to help me develop as a young man. Take me to a place that's going to care about me and my family. And take me to a place that I can really grow. Um, and and, and I'm going to be honest with you, after the season, it was kind of crazy. Um, coach Theobald, who is my head coach now, he was actually on the recruiting cycle, man, down in Evansville. And I was working at one of the high schools, and they happened to have a defensive line vacancy. Um, and, and he asked around and he asked some of the coaches, like, hey, who's a, who's a guy that I should possibly look at for this position? And, I mean, it was unanimous. Pretty much every coach down there said my name. Um, and, and, again, I've only been down there for a year. You know, so for me, it was just allowing what we did on the field kind of speak as my resume. Um, and, and I always joke with those guys now. I'm like, man, you guys just wanted me out of there. I get it. You got tired of <laughs> You got busted one year, and you was like, oh, no, nah, that's never happening again. I got it. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great, great thing that happened, and I ended up coaching a little exposure camp. Coach Steele was there and got to see me coach, got to kind of see the passion that I have and the energy. And next thing you know, man, I got a phone call asking me if I was, if I was trying to come to Hanover, and I said, done deal, done deal. You know, and he was like, whoa, 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 you don't even know what's going on. I said, listen. You're offering me the job. It's a done deal. Um, and, and Coach Steele was he's the type of guy. He's like, nah, man, I want you to come and see it. I want you to see if you can see yourself here. I want you to be around their staff, see if you could be successful here. Um, went up there, fell in love with the campus, man, and the rest is history. I'm going on year three now. So it's, it's been a blessing, man. Great, great story, Coach. And there's so much from that that I want to unpack. Um, you know, I loved yeah. how you talked about, you know, not just praying, because I think sometimes 
you know, especially as as Christians and men of faith that, you know, yep. we can we can sometimes get caught in the, and we pray and then we just sort of sit back and expect things to happen. Or sometimes right. we pray and we pray in such a way it's like, all right, I'm going to pray for how I want it to happen, how I want it to work out in my timetable. And neither one of those are, are very effective or, you know, the, the correct way in handling things. Um, Absolutely. But I, I want to talk about this. You know, I, I think it's interesting that when when the, when the coach, your head coach now, uh, is is asking around about guys that he should hire, and everyone gave your name. What was it? Do you think that you were doing in that one year uh, there at, at that at that high school? Like, what was it that that you think that got everyone's attention and that made them, uh, you know, think of you uh, when when he asked about you know who's a good guy that I need to bring on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the first thing, man, I think a lot of people saw that I was truly a leader of young men. Um, and I was truly connected to our players. The the place where I was coaching at Evansville Central, you know, they kind of had a, a bad rap. You know, they were almost like the bad boys of Evansville. Um, and, you know, and before I even took the job, there was a lot of people telling me, you know, hey, these kids are out of control. They don't listen to anyone. They're this, they're this, they're that. You know, and, and for me, that that was almost like a challenge, you know, and I, and again, I, I've come from a rough background and so kind of how I grew up. So I, I kind of understood a lot of where these young men were coming from. Um, and, and so I think, you know, when you, when you go out there and you, you're out there on Friday nights and the lights are bright and it's about how you perform when those lights are bright, you know, and I think a lot of people really took note of the preparation that we put into it. Um, but not only that, but just the maturity that I think they saw in the team. You know, there's there's guys that were notorious for being troublemakers that barely got in any trouble. You know, now a kid's gonna be a kid. No, no. You know, so but it's it's how do you how do you handle that situation once they do get in trouble? What are your talking points to them to help deter them from making that action again? And I think once once that really started happening and and we started going out there and we started winning and you know, guys started to really buy into what I was doing as a defensive coordinator and, and kind of what we were doing from a cultural standpoint. Um, I, think, I think it was pretty much self-explanatory to kind of see the, the change and evolution in those guys. And I think when you're and, – and I'm not a head coach right now, so I can't really – you know, this is just my thought. Yeah. I think when you're trying to hire somebody at the collegiate level, I think that's – well, any level, I think you're looking for somebody that can be a cultural driver. You know, and that's that's one thing that I will call myself. I believe I'm a cultural driver. Um, I believe whatever you tell me as a head man that this is going to be the culture, you know, I, I want to be that catalyst. I want to be that advocate that really pushes it to the next level. Um, and, and so from that, I think a lot of guys down there really saw that. Um, and then just, you know, just even after the game stuff, you know, normally it was, you know, a couple antics here and there, but, you know, everybody, hey, single file line, shake hands, we're all good, let's get out. You know, it was just different. Um, and I think when you can go to a place and impact it like that in one year, um, I, I think you have something pretty good there. Um, and I think that's kind of when a lot of the guys were like, hey, this, the only difference between the team is this one kid. You know, this, this, this yeah. new guy they got is the only difference. The yeah. team was the same. The coaches were the same. The only part that was different was me. And I'm not saying that saying that I did it all by myself because I definitely did. You know, it took the kids buying into what I was about. And I think also coming from a winning tradition where, you know, again, I went to Chattard High School, so we did things a certain way. 
and I'm, I'm used to doing things a certain way to get a certain result. And when I brought that mentality over there, you know, a lot of kids bought into it. You know, they bought into it so much. Like I said, the following year, they went to state. Wow. You know, they, they lost in state, but it's the fact that they saw what buying into the process can do for you with making it to regionals. Though we lost in regionals, that, that still, that little nugget was still there that they can grab onto and say, hey, now it's time to take this thing to the next level. They went to state, and now they're one of the best teams down in Evansville, you know, in their conference. You know, they're going to be tough to beat year in and year out. And, and I, again, I'm not saying that to say that this is just something I left behind, but it's good to know, looking back now, in retrospect, to say, man, just think about what people were saying about you guys three, four years ago. Yeah. And now with, yeah. the, and now with the conversation is. Right. You know, right. and, and yeah. once you, you know, I think kids have to see results. You know, they have to see that a process works. And I think when they really bought into that process and they saw that it worked, man, they're, they're thriving now. Coach, you talked about, you know, that, that, that you were, you know, a, a leader of young men, that, that, that other coaches recognized that in you. You know, you connected with your players. There was a maturity uh, within your team. You're a culture driver. You know, all of those, if you're a head coach listening to this, that's like check, 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 hire that guy, sight unseen, <laughs> right? Where did you learn all that stuff? Being such a young coach, like how did you know, like, hey, this is what, these are the things you have to be as a coach? Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. younger coaches, you know, I was guilty of this, you know, we worry about a lot of the stuff that's seen, you know, whether it be right. on a Friday night right. or, or, you know, out on the practice. But a lot of that stuff is not necessarily seen outside of, you know, your position group a lot of the times, you know, unless you're really looking for it. So Absolutely. how did you learn how to, to be all those things? Where did you learn that from? Well, I've always been a mature kid, you know, and just growing up, I I always kind of moved a little different. Um, I have a great group of friends, you know, they're, they're so close to me. They might as well be brothers. You know, we call each other mom's mom and all that stuff. But, you know, I I think growing up where I grew up and and growing up on the East side of Indianapolis, I had to navigate differently. You know, I, I was into some stuff that truthfully I shouldn't have been involved with, you know, but I, I truly believe that, because I had a praying mother, because I had a praying grandmother, because I prayed myself, I, I think God strategically placed people in my life to kind of deter me from that street life. Um, you know, I had a couple guys that were on the block that always tell me, hey, kid, you're too smart to be out here with us. Go home. Go home. You know, and I, I you no, know, nah, I'm hanging with y'all. You know, they'll throw me in a car, pull up to my house, kick me out the car. Go home. You're not with us. And I, hey, you got a game Friday night. We'll see you Friday. You know, I think for me that 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 really stuck with me because I I always look at it as if if God is kicking me away from a certain lifestyle, I need to go the way that he wants me to go. Yeah. And, and, you know, and and I think with that being a Christian, I think everyone has those stumbling blocks where they 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 no longer necessarily believe because there's confusion in their life. And, And just like everyone else, I've been through that as well. You know, there were some situations that happened in my life that I was like, there's no way you love me like you say you love me if you're allowing this to happen to me. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, growing up and maturing more and more and just saying, God, take it. Take the will of my life. You know, I think that's what really helped me with a lot of that, man. And again, just, just having those deterrents and now being able to kind of recognize and communicate with the kid. You know, I can, I, I'm, I have a, 
a gift that God has given me that I can literally walk in the hallway and not met a kid for one time and we'll, I'll leave the school or whatever. And we're best friends. Yeah. You know, and it's just that, that gift of connectivity, you know, also it's genuineness. You know, I, I have no, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to a kid. I have no reason to, you know, I went through recruiting processes. I, I went through all that stuff too. I'm not going to play with kids emotions. Um, but I think ultimately, man, I think I, I had to learn how to be an assistant coach. Um, and, and I think that's where some of us fall a little short because we are always worried about that next job that yes, we say we're, we're planted where we are and we're trying to bloom, but we don't, we're, we can't give all of our energy to it because we're worried about that next job. Well, I just really started saying, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm a bloom. Well, we're going to be the best where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I, I'm just kind of taking that mentality everywhere I've gone, man. And it's, and it's, it's starting to really show and it's starting to help. But I think the biggest thing, man, is just learning, learning what your strengths are, learning what your weaknesses are and, and being vulnerable enough to talk about it. You know, I, I have multiple conversations with every head coach I've ever worked for. I have a lot of conversations, just feedback, weaknesses, weaknesses of the program, you know, where can we go? How can I push it forward? You know, I'm not afraid to have that dialogue. You know, I'm not afraid to have negative comment commentary or negative feedback. I mean, hell, my wife said no so many times to me before she finally said yes. That <laughs> I feel, you know, I feel if I can break through that, I can break through anything at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just that, that continuous effort of having that process of being a good learner, being a good listener, and wanting to know more and just wanting to be great where I'm at, man, and being a good assistant is what I think really helped me. You mentioned Coach Augustus from UND, which, which, uh, you know, My UND, guy. yeah, for, for the, for, you know, UND is, 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 you know, a, a premier program on the Division II level. Um, yep. uh, talk about what Coach Augustus, the, the impact that he had on you specifically as a man and as a coach. Yeah, you know, um, you know, Coach Gus, man, he, he's a guy, man, to this day that, you know, now that I'm a coach and, you know, the roles are a little different, you know, I can say bro and, <laughs> and he not really be upset, but, you know, for, for coach Gus, man, he, he just was a man that walked with so much respect, you know, and he was a man that he was a man that truly cherished us, you know, truly watched after us and, and truly wanted to see us be better. Um, you know, there are times, man, where, you know, if I wasn't going to class or if I was doing something, you know, he'll pull me aside and just, I'm going to just be real. He just shot it straight to me, man. You know, that he knew, he knew about my background and he would have conversations with me. And, you know, for me, sometimes it, it takes somebody to show that they care to have that hard conversation with you, you know, and Gus would always do that with me, man. And, and when I, when I was getting out of line a little bit, you know, he never, he never hesitated, you know, but also too, man, he was so welcoming and his wife was so welcoming to us that it was hard not to kind of gravitate towards, you know, and then at the end of the day, he's a guy that, man, I, I looked myself in the mirror and was like, man, I want to play for this dude. I'm going to do whatever he say. His word is gold to me. Yeah. You know, Gus could have told me, Hey, in this stunt, we're going to do this, that, and the third. And I, I look at him, Hey coach, I athletically, I don't know my body's set up for that, but Hey, I'm going to do it the way you want it done. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he was a guy, he was a guy for me that saw my potential and and really challenged me to to go above it. Um, and, and and again, that's kind of what I had my whole playing career. 
you know, I had guys that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and demanded more, you know, he, and he did that and, and it helped that I had, you know, we, he, he surrounded us all with great guys that were, had one goal, you know, and, and that, and the goal for us, especially as seniors was, Hey, we now moved to this new conference. We want to win conference. You know, we was, we was in the Glee Act my junior year. We, we made a great run. We was like, yes, yes. We, we finally got the team that competed in the Glee Act and, you know, the AD came and said, hey, we're switching conferences. <laughs> we saw like, oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but again, just, I, I, think, I think every player that's ever played for Gus will attest that he was, he's a guy that's always honest. You know, he's a guy that truly cares. You know, even if you put yourself in a situation that's not advantageous to you, man, he's that dude that's going to be real with you. He's that dude that's going to say, listen, this is why you shouldn't do. Um, you know, and I think, I'll be honest with you, man, Gus is one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, you know, just because, again, he connected with me on such a deeper level. You know, like I said today, I mean, <laughs> we, we dang near talk monthly, weekly, and it's, hey, bro, how you doing? I'm good. What's going on with you? You know, and it's, it's almost like I'm talking to my family. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, think, I think that's what kind of helped mold me into the coach I am today. Because at the end of the day, when a young man walks out of my office or when he, when he graduates, you know, and now we're on a different level, it's no longer, hey, you know, hey, that, that was just my D-line coach. Oh, no, that's, that's a big brother over there. You know, or that, that's that whatever family term they want to use, but that's what I try to get to with my kids now. Um, and so I think really the relational piece was huge for me. That's something I really took from him. Um, the openness and honest, honesty. And then he's an avid learner. So I've always been a researcher, you know, I study a lot and I'm low key a nerd, um, <laughs> but, but I think he, he really, he is too. And he kind of like made it cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he kind of made it like, Hey, yo, you can say whatever you want, but let, let's talk some facts now. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So that's the cool thing to do now. You know, I thought it was frowned upon. Yeah. But let me, let me pull out my glasses with my connector and let me, let me get going. Um, but it was just one of those things, man, that just having somebody like that in my life to be so impactful um, was huge for me. And I, t- I take a lot of my coaching style from him. I take a lot of my thought process from him. Um, I don't have to recruit against him, thankfully. Um, you know, if that battle ever comes, then, you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, but, no, he, he's awesome. He, he's just an – obviously, you can tell he's been a, a huge role model inspiration to me. Well, one characteristic that you mentioned that he possessed and then also that you possessed as well was just the fact that, that you were both, uh, you are both genuine with your players. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more and more I talk with coaches, that that is a, uh, that's a, um, uh, a characteristic that, that a coach, coaching today's athlete has to have, right? Absolutely. Like, um, I, I think that, that, you know, a decade ago or even, you know, 20 years ago or so, you, that, that, that coaches could uh, just sort of almost be robotic, you know, and they didn't really yep. need to need to let their yep. guys in and see their see them be vulnerable. But I think that all that is out the window. And, and if you want to connect with today's athlete, you have to be genuine. You have to be real with them. And you have to be vulnerable. Yep. You know, so, is that something that, that you've seen as you've coached uh, kids, uh, you know, even on the collegiate level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're dealing with a different kid today. You know, there's so many different stressors on these kids and, 
you know, I, I even hate to say it, but, you know, I think social media a lot of times is the worst enemy of these kids um, because it, it almost becomes, a, well, I, I'm competing against you. How did you get this? And I didn't get this instead of these kids. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say y'all are going to say instead of these kids looking in the mirror and saying the competition is really between me and you in the mirror. Right. You know, I think kids get so enamored and, oh, man, such and such got this offer. Well, we played him last Friday, and I had three sacks on him. Well, that that doesn't really matter. You know, how often are you doing that? How consistent are you? Um, and I think I think when you look at today's kid, man, like I said, they're just they're just built differently, um, even from an emotional standpoint. So you got to take all that in the in the consideration. You know, kids going through COVID right now, so you got to you got to really be on a different level with these kids and. And got to be creative when you speak with them. You know, when I have a conversation with a kid, I, I'm going to be honest, man, we're not, <laughs> we're different. You know, the way I talk to a kid is, is almost like I'm legitimately getting ready to bring this kid home to meet the family. Um, and, and I do that on purpose because at the end of the day, even if you stop football, I want you to know I'm still here for you. And, and I think some kids kind of get the impression that, oh, you just want me for football. No, I want to help you succeed in life. You know, I still have players that I coach at Heritage Christian that reach out to me still today. You know, I have kids that I trained way back when still reach out to me. And it's just that lasting relationship, man. And and I think that's what's so important right now. And I I don't think I, – I can't really speak to back in the day because I wasn't a college coach back then. You know, I know what, I know what was told to me. <laughs> I know some of the coaches, some of the colleges that visited me, it almost seemed like, they all had a rotating script. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, man, I don't, I don't believe in that. You know, I believe in being me. You know, I believe in being genuine, being goofy, and, and having a good time when talking to a kid. Um, and, and ultimately, seeing if Hanover is a good fit for them. If not, I understand. I wish you the best of luck. Um, but I, I still want you to succeed either way. Let's talk about any time I bring a college coach on, especially small school. Uh, coaches, yep. uh, I love asking them about their interesting or or wild recruiting stories. And so, being at Hanover Division Three school uh, can sometimes be tough recruiting, uh, right? Because you got to really search high and low for those guys, and you're recruiting on potential. So, give us your your best uh, recruiting story that you have from your time there at Hanover. Uh, so, so I recruit I recruit the state of Kentucky. Um. And again, mind you, I'm a city boy. So going into some of these areas a little different for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I also, I, there was this one time, man, I was going down this road and, you know, I, I'm being real. I've never really seen like deer and wild animals up close and personal. You know, I'm, you know, obviously I watch Discovery Channel, so I've seen them on Discovery Channel. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've never really seen them. And so I was going on this recruiting trip one day, man, and went to go get gas and came back out. And next thing you know, there's a deer in my car. And, and, and again, I, I'm a city boy. I don't know if I need to run. I don't, again, I just don't know. Um, it was my first interaction with like a real life deer. And I was like, man, what do I do? Do I make like a cocoon sound? Or like, what, what, like what, what do I do? And so the the guy, the guy that was in the uh, gas station just kind of was laughing at me. and was like, oh, you're not from around here, are you? 
you know, he had a real thick southern draw. And I was like, nah, man. I, as you can tell, I'm not from these parts. And he was like, oh, man, if you want to get him to leave, you just do this. I'm going to be honest with you. To this day, I have no clue what this man did. But next thing you know, the deer scatters, runs off, and I'm able to get to where I'm going, man. And, and it was like, it was, all, it was almost like the deer went back and told his family that, hey, there's going to be this car driving by. This person don't know what to do when he sees us. How about we all play games with him and run aside and run alongside of it? And so as I'm coming back, I kid you not, I'm driving on the opposite side now. And as I'm driving, I just see deer literally running by the side of my car. In, off in the, uh, the fields. And I'm like, man, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and, so, and so I call my wife. I'm like, hey, babe, listen, if I get taken out today, I want you to know it was Bambi. It was Bambi and the family. Oh, I don't, and, and for me, like, for me, you know, she's laughing and stuff. Yeah, I'm like, nah, yeah. like, I, I just don't mess with deer like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it, it, it was one thing that I'll, I'll never forget, man. It was, it was just a little off moment. Um, you know, I, there's other stories, man, but I don't know if we should talk about them on here. <laughs> <laughs> I got but you. I, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with that one. I got yeah. you. Well, maybe next time you hit the, the recruiting trail, you can get you a rental car with it, at least a, a, a grill guard on there or something. Oh, man. Uh, Listen, so I, I've been talking to my head coach about that. I'm like, yo, maybe maybe I need to start taking trucks. Yeah. And yeah, there you like, go. Nah, man. You, you get what they give you, and then I'm like, all right, man. I'm, I'm trying to save the budget. I get it. it. Yeah. Yeah, but you know I don't rock with deer. Yeah, you <laughs> um, You know what? I will say this though, man. I've seen. I don't know if you've seen like the signs that say like, I don't know if it's a, a reindeer that has that reindeers have the antlers, right? Well, yeah, the so male, the male, the male deer or bucks have have the antlers. Yeah, yeah. So I saw one of those signs, man. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be 100 with you. I thought they were talking about a moose. And I was like, oh, hell no. I'm like, they got moose down here? You know, I'm like, oh, nah, nah, I'm, I'm too far. I am out of my comfort zone. Oh, shoot. I got I to gotta go home. Did, <laughs> you, know did you at least get a couple players out of the trip, or was it? What, what, you, was... Know what? <laughs> I, you know what? I almost got one of the, of the few kids I was recruiting out of that area. And I actually, I actually had this conversation with him, and I was like, yo, what do y'all got going on down there? And he's like, you know, thick draw. He's like, yeah, coach, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> you know, we got deer at Hanover, but like, it's different when it's at your car. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was it was a pretty eventful day for me. All right. Well, I, I really don't know how to segue from deer chasing your rental car into getting after the quarterback, <laughs> but that's what we're gonna do right now, uh, yeah, coach. No you're you you coach the as you called them. Uh, in earlier conversations that we've had, you coached the tone setters there at Hanover, the defensive yep. line, uh, as we've yep. already mentioned. And uh, I know that you guys have been really successful at getting after the quarterback in years past. So let's let's start with just your ground-up approach. You know, Talk about your philosophy when it comes to coaching pass rush. Where do you start? What do you teach first? You know, what, What's your progression look like? Right. So I, I, from a philosophy standpoint, when it comes to rushing the passer, for me, you, you just got to be a relentless dog. You know, you got to be a relentless dog because there are so many different facets when it comes to getting after a quarterback. Um, you know, I, I try to use a ground-up approach. So I, everything we do, man, we start with our stands. Um, and, and for me, 
sometimes to help my guys understand what I'm looking at, you know, we always talk about the track stands, right? Getting your track stands, track stands, track stands. You know, for us, we're going to be big toe to heel relationship. You know, we're going to try to stay within shoulder width apart. Um, you know, and, and from there, I'm going to tell my guys to go ahead and sit it down, you know, and then we're going to walk our hands out. Um, I want your butt higher than your head. And I want a lot of weight on that front leg. You know, I want a lot of weight on that front leg because what I tell my guys is, hey, we got to get out and break the tape. Okay. What I mean by break the tape, I'm talking about splitting up the arm. Um, you know, I tell my guys all the time, hey, there's a, there's a tape in front of you. You got to break it by go ahead and with that split of your arm. So if we're in a right-handed stand and we're coming out that stand, obviously we're driving out, we're driving out with that right foot. That left hand needs to break that tape as you're coming through. Um, and to kind of help my guys emphasize this, uh, one of the things we're going to do a lot more this year, I'm actually going to get my guys in track uh, block. You know, because again, I think if you if you tell a, a football player who's never ran track, hey, I want you to get into a track stand. You know, that's hard to emulate if you've never felt what it feels like to be in a block. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, so being being in a starting block will kind of give those guys that that understanding of that coilness, and then having them feel that explosion. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the first, the, really the big first thing we look at when we talk about that. Now, that's, that's obviously on the field. Now, when we go into the classroom, you know, the big first thing we talk about, man, is, is building your toolbox and understanding who you are as a rusher. You know, before I even try to give these guys all this stuff to do and think about, I want to know who you are as a past rusher. You know, so for example, if I have a freshman, we're going to go ahead and look at your freshman highlight tapes where you're pass rushing. You know, and from there, I'm going to say, hey, you've identified yourself as X, Y, Z. So this is the toolbox that we're going to start you with. Okay. Where you, you like to bull rush all the time? Well, hey, you're going to come out with a power pack. Okay. And in your power pack, you're going to have this variation of things. You, you identify as a speed guy, you're going to come in as a speed pack. Okay. And from there, you know, then I try to really put it all on the board, you know. So we talk about our stance on the board. We talk about our course, which we, I'm sorry, we talk about our alignment next. You know, for me, there's two different alignments we can be in. Either we can be, we can be in our tight alignment, which will kind of tilt it if we're in our tight alignment, or we can be in our wide alignment. In wide alignment, we can either be tilted or we can be squared. Um, again, depending on that guy um, and, and depending on what he's trying to accomplish. You know, I think that's another place where us as coaches overthink things, you know, it's, hey, what is, what is that kid trying to accomplish? What is the quickest way for him to be successful to affect the quarterback? And I think when you start to, when you start to, as a coach, look at everybody and their mother and what they're doing, you try to steal so much from different guys that you forget your own guy. Yes. Um, and, and for me, I had to, I had to come to that realization you know, because I, I got a kid that, I got a couple kids that are really, really good pass rushers, you know, and I'll, I'll send them clips of NFL guys. And, and the reason why I'll send them NFL guys is because I'm saying, hey, the stuff that I'm teaching you is what they're doing at the highest of level. But then what I'll do is I'll go find college guys that are doing the exact same thing. And, I, and I'll show them those clips as well, getting them to understand, man, hey, coach isn't full of jive. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. so so we'll go through we'll go through some of that first. Um, and, and obviously, when we're starting pass rush, we're not necessarily worried about the offense alignment because I feel, I truly believe if you can't correct yourself, and if 
yourself isn't together first, how are you going to beat that man across? Yeah, great point. So let's, so, so let's make sure your technique is on point. Let's make sure your steps are on point. And let's make sure you understand what's going on with your eyes and what you're looking for before we start putting somebody there and having them do different things. So how I do it, I, I, obviously, when we go out to the field, we're always going to start with stance and starts. Okay? We're going to start with stance and starts. From the, from the classroom, we talk about our core. Okay? And, and for me, this whole acronym is ACE. Alignment, course, execution slash effort. Okay? So from there, we're going to talk about our course. And the course is essentially how you're going to get there. You know, I, I call it the road. I, you know, I've, I've got it from a guy from Elmhurst a long time ago. Um, it's something that I use as a visual cue just to get these guys to kind of understand what they're looking for. Um, and, and the road has four parts. So if you can kind of, if you can kind of imagine, you know, you kind of draw half, two half arts, all right? And then let's say you just have a, a circle or a circle representing the tackle and you have your defensive end. So the first part of the road is saying, hey, you got yourself a, a vertical setter. Shoulders are getting turned. We're going to go ahead and speed rush around that guy. Okay, that, that guy has opened up the gate. We're going to stick to our speed rush, and we're going to rush around that guy. Okay, the next part of the road is saying, hey, well, now this guy is starting to give you a 45 while he's going vertical to try to get into your road. So that tells my guys, we're now going to work some type of hip move. And when I mean hip move, it's more of, you know, I, I don't necessarily teach flipping up the hips. It's more of a step through. Um, so now we're going to work our stab swipe series. We're going to work our double swipes. We're going to work moves that keep us on that third of the offensive tackle. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And then, so the next part of the road, now this guy, he, he goes back to the huddle and say, oh, shoot, coach, this guy's giving me a heavy dose of speed. He's giving me a heavy dose of hands. Coach tells him, hey, we'll jump setting. Okay, well, now on your road, you get a jump set. Now we're going to up and under that guy. And now mm -hmm. we're going to up and under and press vertical, get back to our aiming point. The last one for me is, is kind of what we talked about earlier. Um, you talked about how you can talk about a deer and rental cars and pass rush. Well, this is kind of one way. I tell my guys, hey, that guy's in your road. You're an F-150 truck. You're going 100 miles an hour, and that deer gets in your road. You don't have time to stop. What can you do? Hey, we're going to power through that thing and keep going. Um, so I give them that as a visual cue to kind of understand how we're going to attack things. And then from a step progression, um, I actually got this from Coach Joyner, man. You know, he, I think he's a, a brilliant mind. I listen to him quite a bit. We've chatted up a little bit. Um, I, I think he's a phenomenal coach. It's something I've always done, but never really put the words to it. Um, and he talks about the whole speed, speed, power, power, speed. Yes. That's, not, that's the exact way we do our steps. You know, and I don't want my guys to get into a situation where they're counting steps. So I always tell my guys, understand, hey, if, you're, if, you're, if we're coming out, we're going speed, speed, got that 45-degree angle power step. Get that power step to expose hands. Yes. You know, two-point stance, are you already taking one speed step? Now it's speed, power. Yeah. You know, so I, I use that progression as well. Um, and like I said, it's something I've always done, but just hearing how he named it was something I was like, man, I got to adopt that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, let, yeah. let, me, let me go ahead and let me go ahead and adopt that. That was, that's kind of dope, my man. Hey, I, um, I, I'm right there with you. And, and, and for those of you guys who are checking, who are listening to this, he's talking about coach Randall Joyner uh, from SMU. Yep. We had him back on the podcast, I think back in uh, January, maybe. 
Uh, but coach, that's the same thing. If you were to ask my guys right now, you know, about the, our, our pass rush philosophy, we're, 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 we're speed, yep. speed, power, speed. So on that third step, we're stepping at that, at that tackle or in you yep. know, most cases at the tackle, uh, we're talking defensive ends, you know, at that tackle to get them to expose those hands. And, and to, it, it's just been really helpful for my guys just to understand like, okay, and, and here's how we're going to get what we want. You know, we're going to step at him. Yep. If he shows his hands, yep. now we can, you know, we're going to, we're, obviously we're going to work into our, our, our hand fighting, low hands, low, high hand side, that sort of thing. If he doesn't, now Absolutely. we can long arm. So uh, I think that's a great, I, I picked up on that as well, and, I, and I'm using that with my guys also. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, us as coaches, I think we we hear a lot of ideas and we all do a lot of research and we kind of pick things that we like and kind of build it and make it our own and yeah. uniqueify it, if you will. Um, you know, and, and I, I do the same. You know, I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, I think I think we're all in the coaching industry because we're low key great at stealing ideas. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah, I'm not even low key about it. Yeah, I'm not even low key about it. I'm I'm doing it out in the open. Coach Joiner, I, t- I stole your stuff. <laughs> nah, I dig it. I dig it. He's a great dude. Great dude. Um, but then you know, from there, you know, we get to the E part. You know, and it's execution and effort. You know, I think that that last piece, that effort piece, yeah, is what a lot of people miss because they say, "Oh man, you you had a great move," you know. But I think you really got to hammer the effort. You know, you really got to give these guys visual cues of what it looks like to be relentless in your effort. Yes. What it looks like, if you want to be an elite pass rusher, if you want to be one of these guys that, you know, they talk about for years and years to come about how you pass rush, you got to be different in the effort category. Um, you you got to really possess something so unique in you from an effort standpoint that it's hard for guys to deny you. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, you know, so I look at the execution piece. Now the execution piece is how are we executing our pass rush move? Okay. And, and every pass rush move that I teach my guys, and I don't teach them a ton, um, it's always a three-step progression. You know, we're, we're always going to get in some type of fit because I just want you to feel it. You know, you're going to get in a fit position. Then we're going to get into kind of like a slow walk position. Um, and then we're going to speed it up. And then finally, we're going to go out and we're going to do a live rep with it. You know, so I, I, try to, I try to get my guys to continuously not only see it, but feel it and then be able to do it, if that makes sense to you. Yep. Um, you know, and I've, I've found that that, is, that has really helped us become successful. Um, like I said, I've, I've, this is going into my third year. Uh, I, I'm, I'm proud of my guys and what they've accomplished. You know, in, in two years, we've had 48 sacks as a D-line. You know, out of 52 as a unit, you know, so for me to say, hey, we're we're getting it done with just rushing four, you know, for me, that's like a badge of honor almost for my guys. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, because, you know, I think you have a really good defensive line when you can say, hey, we're just going to rush this four and we're going to do whatever we want on the back end. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that that's kind of that's kind of a little bit of my progression of my thought process and kind of how I take my guys through some things. You mentioned t- talking about whenever you're introducing moves or coaching moves, starting in a fit position, and I think mm-hmm. with with a lot of concepts, you know, um, you know, like mm-hmm. this week, you know, we're doing our steer drill and we're starting from a from a fit position, you know, where I'm already at a, di- a disadvantage, and a lot of coaches do this. Mm-hmm. This isn't anything, yep. you know, groundbreaking, but I think when you start with that fit position and then you work, then you progress backwards and add more space. 
Yep. You know, it gives the kid more confidence and they realize and they, they, they get the feel of how it's supposed to feel, you know, um, at the when they're when they're done executing the drill or executing the move. And so I think that's really smart starting in a fit position yep. and then working your way back as opposed to, hey, here's a club and rip. All right, let's do it. Ready, go. Hut. You know, and 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 now they got all this space to deal with. And, you know, I think when you start. Fit it up and then and then you slowly back up and give those guys more and more space to work with. And I, I think that's a, a great way of teaching really any concept. Absolutely. I mean, and, and for example, you know, if we were if we're going through our long arm progression, you know, for our long arm, we always go two to one. You know, I never allow my guys to kind of come in there with their arm out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want I wanted a two to one, you know, so I wanted to essentially go speed to power and then we're, we're snatching that that other hand out, whichever, depending on where you're at, whichever hand we're snatching it out. So for my guys, we'll start in a fit position and I'll make sure hand placement is right. You know, we're always going to try to get that inside number, you know, kind of that sweet spot, getting that, that inside armpit when we're long arming, just in case that we need to exchange it and come back inside, we have that ability. Um, but I, I you, we'll start fitted up with two hands. You yeah. know, we'll start fitted up with two hands and first and foremost, I'll tell them, hey, you guys are just, this part right here, this is us making contact, us making contact, yeah. you know, and then, then I'll say hit. And, and if we're condensed in, all we'll do is we'll flex our arms out. So now we got straight arms, yep. straight arms, uh, again, making sure everything's perfect, you know, and then I'll say, hey, I'll say hit again, go ahead and pull it out, put your chin on your arm. So now we become even longer and you're able to extend more. And so now they'll pull that hand out, chin on arm, long arm it out. And now they feel what it feels like from that torque standpoint to have that long arm in. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then I'll start to incorporate the feet, you know, talk about our foot placement. Um, and then we'll say, hey, all right, cool. Let's walk through it. Let's walk through it. So they'll, they'll, come, they'll come from about three yards at first, or three, two, three to five yards, walk it. All right, cool. You guys feel comfortable? Great. Let's come out of a stance and, and walk it a little bit. All right, cool. Now let's come out of a stance. Let's explode out of a stance and let's jog it. Yeah. Good. Perfect. Now, hey, let's go full speed with it. Yeah. Let's see how it feels. Yeah. You know, and I and I found, man, that just being able to really break it down and be simple, I I found more success doing that than trying to get these guys to do a a million things and none of it making sense because it's so complex. I kind of so this is real life application here, okay? So this yep. week, this is this is real. This isn't this isn't a clinic story or anything. Like, it's real 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 talk <laughs> right here, okay? This absolutely, week absolutely. we're coaching. Um, you know, at the school where I am, we we varsity coaches go in the morning and help coach the middle school kids. So we had seventh grade mm-hmm. football players uh, earlier this week that we're teaching tackling to, and we're doing a tackling drill, and they're you know they're about five yards apart uh, or so. And it looks, as you would guess, awful, right? I mean, it just looks terrible, okay? And so what we do is we stop, we X the whole thing, and we go back, and what what do we do? We eliminate the space, right? And we start the kids from a fitted position, and we, we, you know, okay, here's your, you know, near shoulder, near hip, you know, like your foot foot inside his feet, we're tracking his, you know, all those cues. And then, okay, everybody got that? You know how, you understand how that feels? Okay, take two steps back from each other. Okay, and now let's walk to it. Okay, everybody got that. Perfect. Okay, now let's step back to five yards and kind of go through it. And and so it's the same concept that we went through. And I, then they they kind of get that they get what it understand what it feels like. 
as opposed to doing it in reverse, which is what we were doing, and we quickly found out that's not working. So I, again, I just think that's a great way of coaching any new concept is starting mm-hmm. starting at the end and working your way backwards. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to you got to think about how people learn these days. Man. Yeah. You know, some people, yeah. if you you know, for us, they say, I'm sure you are, too. At the high school level, you're able to add visual cues. So being able to add that visual cue, then being able to go and actually walk through it. You know, let's say you got something pre-practice. Hey, let's go ahead and walk through what we just talked about. Then being able to, hey, an individual, hey, now this is more of a up, up-tempo walk. Yeah. And now, hey, we're getting ready to go in the team. Let's do it in team. You know, now, then the next one, hey, now we're going, now we're going into games. Let's put it all together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think when guys, when you're able to touch all centers of learning, uh, centuries of learning, I think you, you accomplish it a lot better. In just my opinion. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this. You know, when we're talking yep. about, uh, you know, getting after the quarterback, sacks are, are what get most people's attention, right? Like, that's what we, right. that's right. what our, our your media guy puts out on Twitter. Like, you know, Hanover College had X amount of sacks this, this year, you know, leading the conference, whatever. But, you know, as D-line coaches, we know that affecting the quarterback is, is so much more than, than sacks. So, you know, Absolutely. there's there's batted balls, hurry throws. You know, QB hits, interceptions, hands in the QB's eyes, you know, all those things. So how are you teaching yep. and drilling the other aspects of affecting the quarterback? Right. So, I mean, just like what you said, man, affecting the quarterback is there's so many different things to do it, you know. And, and for us as D-linemen, some of the things that are going to help us immediately is obviously putting hands in windows. Um, not only just putting hands in windows, but almost getting quarterbacks to almost essentially see ghosts. You know, even if you're not as close to them as they think they are, but they're able to, you're able to move them off a spot yeah. or, you know, you're, you're, you know, we always talk to, I talk to my guys all the time about launch pads, you know, Hey, he's on that launch pad, take a shot. You know, obviously well, I'm not telling him take a shot and be malicious, but you get what I'm saying. Like, Hey, yeah, I want yeah. you, you're close enough. You're, you're a yard, yard and a half. Hey man, Superman yourself. Yeah. Superman yourself to get that yeah. man, get him feeling you a little bit. And that's what I talk to my guys about a lot. Hey, get him to feel you. Getting to feel your presence. You know, and sometimes, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes it's, hey, we, we, you're rushing so hard. You didn't get their ball thrown. But, man, the, the next step you take, you're right next to his head. Yeah. Or you're right, you're right in front of his vision. You know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, just being that close, go ahead and smile at him. Yeah. Smile yeah. at him and let him know, hey, you was lucky this time. I got you next time. So now that guy as a quarterback, he has to really evaluate how good that tackle is. You know, hey, can can that tackle hold up that many? You know, if you're throwing the ball 50 times a game, can that tackle be perfect 50 times and not allow a sack? Yeah. Well, yeah. now that first hit, and I tell my guys this all the time, man, all it does is take one. All it does is take one. It takes one batted ball. It takes, it takes one bad snap, and we're back there quicker than normal, and he fills us. It takes one shot on the quarterback, and now he fills us. It takes one rundown where he's escaped out the pocket and we've, we've worked our drills where, you know, I, I'll have a drill where essentially I'll make my guys run a hoop to simulate tripping up a quarterback. You know, he, he, he's gotten out of pocket. We got to chase him down. Hey, I need you guys. You're going to run this hoop. As soon as you get off the turn, run the hoop full speed, dive, grab his ankle. Yeah. You know, and, and just doing, doing things like that and allowing them again. All we need is one. Yeah. <laughs> No All doubt. you need is one to get to the head of a quarter. Um, you know, and, and I found just 
doing those drills, like I talked about the the bite the ankle drill, or of doing different variations of batting balls. You know, every, pretty much every time we do a pass rush drill, I try to put multiple things in it. Um, so it'll be, you know, it, it'll be an instance where we'll we'll go through bags. You know, everybody goes through bags, pop ups. We'll go through pop ups, and we'll we'll get to the end. And we got one guy that, you know, I'll be the quarterback, so I'm throwing the ball. We got one guy that's going to bat the ball, and we got a teammate that's going to come scoop and score it. You know, so there's there's multiple ways that I'm trying to get these guys to understand. You never know when your time's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I make fun of my guys. You know, we, we had one scoop and score. We could have had two. I love my guy to death, and he knows it. But, you know, it's that one instance that I talk about. You know, it's that, that one time that you have a chance to scoop and score it, you know, we just didn't scoop it well enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's one drill we do. Um, we do a lot. Of, and, and then with that, you know, we'll incorporate strip sacks with it as well. So coming around, we got, we just got done. We just got off a great move. So again, we'll start it from a fit position. You know, we'll go fit. And then I'll say, let's say right now we got a long arm in. I'll say fit long arm. And then offensive lineman, he's going to reach that outside hand on, on us. So now we're going to swipe it down, tight arm over, and we're going to burst to the quarterback. So we'll start from there and, again, segmenting things for them. You know, so they understand now, okay, now when I get to the finish, that's the type of energy I need to have to finish this play. Um, and and I, I, I will say my guys are getting better at that. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say we're perfect. Um, but they're getting better understanding how to finish play. Uh, and, and hell, I'll be honest with you. That's why I was so excited about this year. Cause I'm like, man, <laughs> these dudes are going to be rocking and rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, everything happens for a reason. We got a little time to, to, to be better at it, you know, and that's just kind of how I look at it. We got a little opportunity now to get even better at that last piece. Cause again, I think the last piece is what some people miss. Because, you know, they don't give it as much time as the beginning. Right. You know, you know don't get me wrong. You've got to be great in the beginning to even get to the last part. Yeah. But I still think there's a, a happy median where you can say, hey, now let's really drill the back end. Let's, let's hammer the back end of the drill. Yeah. Um, so we'll do things like that. You know, we'll do scramble drills. You know, I'll, I'll do a wave drill kind of kind of what you've seen in the NFL where they'll pop down and do a pop-up and, you know, I'll just point different directions, getting them to run, you know, and they'll run kind of in their pursuit angle. Right. If that makes sense. So yep. if I point to the right, those guys are going to take the angles they have from a pursuit standpoint, you know, and then being able to, if I change the directions, being able to plan off that out, outside foot and cut back, you know, just, just trying to get those guys to understand, Hey, it's not going to always be perfect, but what does your effort look like? What does your effort look like, and what does your will look like to get to the quarterback? Um, and, and again, I think I think we I think we do a good job. Um, there's always room for improvement, you know. But I, I, I'm blessed with the guys that want to improve daily, you know. So that that kind of challenges me as a coach. Yeah, and and a couple things you you talked about that I that I want to go back and mm-hmm. highlight. You talked about, and this is going back to your your answer earlier, just about focusing on the execution and the effort part of a pass rush. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's such an underrated aspect, I think, of coaching pass rushes because kids can have these great moves, and it's like, yeah, that's great, 
but now what? Right. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. what's a dog Mm -hmm. do when it actually does catch a car that it's chasing? Like it's got to know, right. It's got to have a plan. And, and I, and and I've, I've I've witnessed that even this year of you got guys who do these execute these great moves, but they don't finish because maybe they didn't expect to be successful or they Mm -hmm. just, they just Mm -hmm. thought that the sack would happen or whatever. But I, it's just this, this, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta finish and you gotta be relentless in your mindset. And the other, the other thing you talked about is, you know, whenever you're working these drills, I think it's really important to stress the fact that, you know, if you're working like a strip sack or whatever, that you got to be straining and, and, and getting that getting that that quarterback with your fingertips. If you're waiting to Absolutely. to where you can touch him with your chest before you're touching him, for you, then it's too late. He's already throwing the ball. Like, you know, Absolutely. just a, a fingertip on his elbow can can make him sail the ball, or can at least make him, you know, where he where he nuts up a little bit and and. You know, short, short, you know, shortens the throw up, or he does something, you know, and 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 so I, I think we got to coach that as well. Like, man, it's a strain. You're on the edge of being out of control. No, absolutely, and and again, just like what you said, man. I think I think sometimes we sometimes we miss that as coaches, and, I, and I'm gonna be honest, I, I've missed it a yeah, couple times. Yeah, yeah, me, me you too. You know, and I, and I and I think that's where the progression of growing as a coach has helped me develop. Because now I'm able to go back and look at those those minor things that I missed and say, hey, I need to put more emphasis here. I need to put more emphasis here. You know, but like I said earlier, it's a it's a balancing act, right? You know, it's, yeah. you know we don't have a lot of time in individual and we try to steal as much as we can in special teams. And then you got some one-on-ones and now you're in team segments. You know, obviously you're not allowed to hit quarterbacks in team segments. So it's like, where do they get that opportunity to go a hundred percent. Right. And I think, I think for us as D line coaches, we have to create that environment. You know, we gotta, we gotta figure out creative ways where we can create the environment where they can at least fully dive out. Right. You know, whether you have, where you have one of those um, padded long pads where they can run and dive onto it so they don't hurt themselves or kind of like what we have right behind our goalposts in our area. We have a, our track pads where those guys will dive on those at times. You know, but I think I think you have to put them in situations where it almost becomes second nature. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, and I I just think the more and more we do it, and like you said, the more we talk about straining, and the more we talk about finishing the play, I think the more and more you'll start to see these guys develop into what I think a lot of us coaches see in our guys. So when you're when you're breaking down, let's say an opposing offense, and and let's let's talk about yep. quarterbacks since we're already talking about them. You know, what are some yep. things that that you look for in a quarterback when evaluating how you're going to attack him? Yeah. So one of the first things I want to know is what what's handiness. You know, I because I, I I truly just think if I know what his handiness is, I know what his where his strength of his arm is coming from. Um, and, and then I look and see who's his favorite target. You know, who's the guy that, you know, as a defense, we got to kind of worry about. But then even with that is, is he, is he a dual threat guy? Is he a pocket guy? Or is he a a tweener at times? You know, and I say tweener because you have those, those pocket guys that have never showed any type of speed on film. Right. And all of a sudden they get to you and you like, where did this come from? You know, so I, I just think, I just think you really have to kind of, take a deep dive into who that guy is as a quarterback. You know, is this guy, is this guy somebody that when he starts seeing ghosts, is he getting happy feet? Is this a guy that he's shorter? So 
the ball's coming out a little higher. We may be able to tip it a little bit more. Uh, what type of release does he have? Is he a sidearm guy? Is he is he a true over the head guy? Like what? How does his release look? Um, so those are some things that I look at. Um, and, and then just when I'm trying to game plan and attack him, you know, I, and that's why the handiness is so important to me. Because if I'm right-handed, well, naturally, I'm going to be better running to my right than I am my left. Right. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just naturally. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're thinking about basketball, and they're, just, they're right-hand dribbling. Well, I'm going to drop to the bucket to the right easier than I am my left. So it's the same concept that I look at, and I say, okay, well, if he's going to take off, where is he most likely to take off? So I'll chart all that. You know, I'll, I'll start, you know, kind of what gaps he's taking off in. You know, is he, is he really finding that A-gap hole and gone? Is he, is he finding that infamous B-gap, or is he running around us? Um, so those are some things I looked at initially from the quarterback standpoint. Well, talk about an offensive line now. When you're, you're looking at offensive yeah. lines, uh, protection, what's your process for breaking down protections, you know, so that yeah. you can, as you develop your plan of attack? Yeah, so... Initially, man, kind of how I've always done it, I, I first try to identify what the slide side and man side is. You know, I, 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 try, I try to identify what their identity is as an offensive line. Right. And, and what I mean by that is what are they really good at and then what do they struggle at? And how can I get them in situations where they struggle? Uh, and, and I think a lot of that comes to understanding what type of passing game they have. You know, I think if you're, if you're a deep ball game, Type team, you're, you'll you'll be in the you'll be in the slide protection, and and I think you'll you'll kind of hold the ball a little bit longer than if you were in a short game where sometimes you guys may be getting chopped right away. Yeah. Um. So I, I think a lot of that you have to factor that in as well. But from that man, I I really look at center back relationship. Um. I also look and see, you know, hey, are they sliding to the field? Are they are they sliding to the three tech? Are they sliding to the shade? You know, how are we putting them in compromisable situations? Um, and, and one thing I actually learned, you know, just kind of over this COVID period and connecting with a lot of the guys that I connected with, man, at the end of the day, I want to know what you're going to do against the front I'm bringing to you. I want to know how you're going to block me on third down. I get you to third down and this is the front I'm coming in. What are you doing? Because if, if your answer is to, to revert back to your normal self, and we know your slide side, we know your man side. Well, obviously, we're going to pick on that all day. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't have a plan for how you're coming and you're blocking X X Y Z front that I'm throwing at you, well then, well we're going to we're going to exploit that. You know, and I think I think again, I try not to make it as complicated as possible. You know, and I think it I think it there, I know there's some guys that kind of do like the number system and they'll say 52 or 54 or 62 or 64, whatever they may say. I think that's pretty cool. But I think at the very end of the day, when I'm relaying message to my defensive coordinator and he says, Justin, where are they sliding? Hey, coach, they're sliding to the field. Let's hit that thing backside. To me, that's easier communication than saying, hey, coach, there's 64. No, 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 it's 65. And now my defense coordinator is like, all right, 65, boom, boom, boom. Okay, cool. I'd rather just be able to say, hey, they're sliding. Hey, they're also bringing an insert. So now there is six-man protection. Yeah. You know, so I, I think being able to have those one-word communication pieces from me to my DC is a lot easier for us. I, and, again, this is just for us. Um, 
and it, and it works for us too, you know. And then we also try to we try to find the fish, you know. We try to Hell find yeah. the guy that we got to pick on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, if an offensive line has two or three fishes, well, somebody got to eat. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I mean? That's right. Um, so we 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 have a fish of the week, um, just a guy that we identify as their weak link, and you know how we're going to exploit him and how we're going to get our best pass rusher on that guy. Um, and, and what are some things we can do? Save, save four man rush. What are some things we can do to knock him off a little bit? Yeah. Um, and, and then get one on one. So we really try to get isolated one on ones. And like I said, man, it's it's been good for us, you know. And you know, we still got a long way to go. And that's that's the beauty of it. We got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's there's look, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, right? And and I think right, that right. you gotta you gotta identify what way works best for you, whether it is a numbering system yep. or whether it is just being able to communicate, hey, coach, they're, they're sliding to the field or whatever. But I think the most important thing yep. is that you have a system, which is, and I'm saying that because for a long time I, I haven't had one, and I I realized yep. um, through doing this podcast, like, man, I that's an area uh, of my coaching that 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 has that I really mm-hmm. have, have not been doing a great job of. And, and yep. that's having a uh, succinct, concise, specific system for breaking down pass protection. Um, because, um, you know, I, I think that if you don't have that, then you're really kind of going in just guessing. You know, you're pushing buttons, hoping that, that something hits home as opposed to knowing what is going to work based on, you know, how you studied and, and again, your, the system that you're using to break that down. Absolutely. And I think, I think too, when you're thinking about pass protection, you know, I, I, I sometimes go in the game saying, how can I make them block us with six? Right. You know, because again, if now if you're blocking us with six, that running back staying in play and helping you block, well, I'm telling you right now, the guys that are in coverage downfield are going to have a field day. Yeah. You know, because now that, that linebacker doesn't have to worry about that leaking back, which a lot of people like to leak that back out. Right. Just to kind of exploit, exploit zone areas. You know, now he's staying in blocking. Well, now there's some things that we can do that helps us even more from a coverage standpoint, you know, and that's kind of how I think about it sometimes, you know, what are, what are some things that we can do up front that are going to give them problems? You know, I, I have an extremely athletic D line. What are some things that we can do to, to showcase our athleticism? You know, what are some things that we can do to make them change their protection? Um, and, and that's what we like to do, man. Okay. Well, coach Robinson, we're going to close out with our rapid fire segment. And you, you've you've absolutely killed our conversation already. So I have I have no doubt you're going to be able to handle this just fine. So I'm going to shoot a couple <laughs> words at you. You tell me what you prefer. You you think you can handle that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I hope so. Okay. Well, <laughs> I there's so. there. I don't think there's going to be any deer running through the uh, the telephone <laughs> at you. So I don't think you have to worry about that. So I think I'll we're good. Right there. now, if I, saw, if I saw a deer right now running in my backyard, <laughs> you might as well clock me. I'm going to run a four two at least. All right. At all least. Right. Well, I, I I don't think there's going to be a deer running through your yard. But anyway, here we go. Uh, first question up for you. This is one I usually start off with. Which do you prefer, head up or no head up nose or shade? Mm, I'm gonna go head up just because it presents different issues. Okay. All right. So, is, are you a lag front, or do you like to play lag, or are you like just coming off and blistering that center, or what? I, I say that we're four two five. We're predominantly a four down front. But when we get to our three four look, I see different issues that I like. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we with that, you know, we're if we're in that position, we will lag it. Um, but but if we're in that three four look, we're also bringing some different stuff with it. So 
you know, we kind of try to funk it out as best as possible. I got you. I got you. <laughs> okay. Uh, playing surface that you prefer, turf or grass? Uh, turf all day. Okay. All day. All right. Do y'all play? Do y'all have any grass field? Do y'all currently play on any grass fields up there in any of your, so in your we, conference? The the only the only team that we play on in, in grass is going to be uh, Maryville out of Tennessee. Yeah. You know they have grass, but I mean their grass is so finely cut that you might as well say it's turf. Yeah. You know I know I know people like the grass because they're saying it's the equalizer and that true home field advantage, man. But I sometimes I just want to say, hey, man. Let's 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 play on a perfect surface. Yeah, let's play in a perfect yeah. world. Yeah, and see what happens. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I don't think I think we'll play on one grass field this year, uh, and I don't okay. think we played. I don't think we played on any last year. So it's really become kind of rare when you when you play a team that that's grass. It's almost you know it, it just depends if they have a really well kept nice yeah. grass field. I I, I like. Uh, but, but, say, yeah, but, but you just run absolutely. into sometimes, you know, like a, probably on the division three level and, and the high school level, you just run in sometimes to these, you know, just the, these, these pretty poor grass fields and, and that's, that's, absolutely. that's no good. Um, okay. Yeah. Like you said, it's different when it's Bermuda grass and yeah. it's the yeah. grass in my backyard. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. We talked about today predominantly about, about affecting the quarterback, but I want to know. Uh, what aspect of the defensive line do you prefer to coach? Pass rush or stopping the run? Oh, stopping the run. Okay. All right. The run. All right. Absolutely. I, I think when you when you have that ability to stop the run, you have that ability to show that you're going to impose your will on somebody. And I, and I think when you get into those ball games, you truly find out somebody's character. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, can can you handle ISO fifty times a game? Yeah. You know, can you handle power? You know, I, I'll take the run all day, all day. Okay, all right. Uh, where do you prefer to be on game day, press box or sideline? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, you know what? Right now I'm in the press box, and I kind of like the aerial view. I've always been on the field my whole career. Um, man, I would say, honestly, man, I, I press box probably. Okay, all um, right. All right. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna change that, man. We're going to the field. We're going to the field. I need to be able to feel those guys. We're going to the field. Well, see, you kind of. I, I, I was gonna say that surprised me a little bit because you, you seem like a, a, the kind of coach that's gonna be bringing the juice on the sidelines. Yeah, and, and it would be. Nah, man, I need that field. Action. <laughs> I need that field action. Well, see, I I, uh, I say this all the time because I ask this question all the time. You know, I spent half the year last year, this past season, in the in the box. It was my first time ever and only time, and then. We end up switching some things up, and I end up going back down to the sideline. And, and the best thing I can say about being in the box was that, at, at least when we were at home, was the spread in the press box. Like, we had food catered in. It was from all these different oh, restaurants. And, and so you, we get up there 30 minutes before the game, and it's like anything you want. Uh, and, and so that part was nice about being in the box. I say, man, also, too, man, being in the box, man, you avoid the weather. That's true. You know, we was, That's true. We was down in Maryville, and I was literally watching my defensive coordinator sweat through every pair of clothes he had, and I was sitting up there, sipping, chilling, like yeah, almost I a little bit cold, right? Like, like kind of wishing yeah, maybe you exactly. had like a, lo- a little light windbreaker or something on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, all right. Let's talk about pregame routine. So for you, pregame routine does yep. that involve music or no music? Oh, I'm a music guy. Okay. For sure. All right. So what's on uh Coach Robinson's pre uh pregame playlist? Man. All right, there's two playlists. Okay. I All got right. 
I got my gospel mix. Okay. Which for me, for me, before I get into any segment, I just got to get my mind right with God. You know, I, I just got to, I got to make sure I was productive that day and I, I did things according to his will, man. But then after that, I, man, I, I, I get, I get into a little hip hop, a little rap, um, okay. some R&B at times, man. So it just, it just really, you know, I'm talking old R&B and hip hop, not this new stuff. Yeah, give us a, uh, give boy. us an example. Give us some example. Maybe I might it might it might make its way in our practice playlist or something. Uh, what you, what you got? Uh, Pastor Troy will get on okay. there. All right, <laughs> some vice versa. I got, um, I got I'll you. A, I'll listen to a little Petey Pablo. Okay. Uh, I, I I used to listen to Three Six Mafia. I kind of put them away, and I'll go back to old Hot Boys. Um, I'll throw some Juvenile on. Oh, I got you. All right, man. I mean, I I try to go back to '90s rap and '90s yeah. hip hop, man. Yeah, when you, the when the stuff when the stuff hits you in your chest a little bit. There you go. You take me back to my childhood right there. Now, have you got <laughs> yeah, have you got your have you got your guys turn on any of that stuff? Or are they are they? Oh, uh, coach, man, I've tried, man. These guys, they, I don't even know the new kid. Right? Little Pump Pink, I don't know his name. You know, <laughs> they, they they listen to all these little. Yeah, all these know, littles. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard for me sometimes. I, I will you. say the baby. I. That that guy, the baby, I think he got some 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 nice stuff. I'll put his stuff on instrumental. Um, yeah. But other than that, nah. Yeah. yeah, I got you. Okay. Uh, speaking of pregame and your pregame routine, yep. are you superstitious or no? I say a little bit, but not really. Okay. You know, so, there, there are certain things that I do. You know, like you know, when I my the day of a game, you know, I have to get up a certain way. I have to, you know pack things a certain way and then other than that when when i get to the game you know i'll do probably one thing and then i'm done okay you know but i if i don't do it I, it's not gonna like kill my mojo i got you so to quote michael scott from the office you're not superstitious you're a little stitious <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah. okay all right well we'll get you out of here on this one okay so yep. uh best in your opinion best sports movie best football movie uh we'll, we'll go remember the titans or Friday Night Lights? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Remember the Titans. Okay. Um, All right. I'm going to go with Remember the Titans because Remember the Titans in a lot of ways is talking about what's going on right now in today's society. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you think about all the racial tension, the social injustice, the inequality. A lot of that was in that movie. Yeah. And the one thing that brought that community and that school together was a, a football team of black and white individuals looking at each other for a common goal, saying, hey, you're my brother. Yeah, I'm going to battle with you. You're going to battle for me. We're family. You know, and I think you get that with a football team. You know, I always say if the world operated like sports operated, we wouldn't have issues. You're, you're exactly right. <laughs> um, exactly so I think, right. I think that's why I'm going to go remember the Titans, because it just, it just really hits home right now. No doubt. And I don't think you could go wrong either way. And even as a Texas guy, right. you know, I, I love Remember the Titans. But it's just, <laughs> I'll be honest, I've only seen that movie a couple times because it's just so hard to watch, you know, the way that it no ends. And, and, uh, no and, and obviously Remember the Titans is the exact opposite uh, in the way that, it, the, the way that that movie ends. And uh, so anyway, well, Coach, great stuff mm-hmm. today. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I just really appreciate you bringing it today and, and, and sharing so much great information with us. And I know that the guys listening to this, uh, if they're like me, have a, have a notepad full of notes that they can take home with them and now apply to, uh, 
into their own coaching. So thank you so much for coming by and talking with us today. I just appreciate you, man. I'm I'm honored to be on here. Um, you know, you're doing a great thing, man. And obviously, if I'm ever in Texas, man, let's make sure we link up. Man, I really enjoyed talking with Coach Robinson today. You know, he's such an engaging person. It's so easy to talk to. I can see why kids love to play for him. So thank you one again to Coach, and the best of luck to him and the Panthers this year. Hopefully they can uh, get a full season in in the spring, and, and hopefully Coach can steer clear of those man-eating white-tailed deer when he's on those recruiting trips in Kentucky this spring. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll have some notes uh, from our conversation today and put those up on Twitter this week. Also, if you want to follow Coach on Twitter, you can do so at Coach underscore J53. Our quote of the day comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And that will do it for us on this episode of KYPD. Now, if you're liking what you're hearing, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. That process takes less time than it does for your nose guard to pull his game day jersey over his shoulder pads, and it really helps spread the word about our podcast here. Uh, Our audience is growing by the week, and that is because of you guys, so keep talking us up and checking us out each week. Speaking of next week, for episode number 77, we'll be talking with a current Division I defensive lineman who, because of the Pac-12's initial decision to not play football this fall, uh, I think they've at, at least as of this recording, they are reconsidering that decision. But anyway, uh, he has uh, has since transferred to play his final season at an ACC school. So a really interesting episode coming up for you next week. So subscribe now and be sure to be back next week for that one. Until then, have a happy Labor Day. Count your blessings and look for good in every situation. And watch out for those deer on the highway. Oh, hey, Coach Robinson, get on these dudes and tell them what else they better do. Hey, keep your pads down and dominate.